Hello, and welcome to PW's Kitchen Cast, a podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with chefs and cookbook authors about new and upcoming cookbooks. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor of Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with Phyllis Good, whose new book, Fix It and Forget It, 250 Slow Cooker Recipes, published by Good Books, and she is the sponsor of today's podcast. Hello, Phyllis. How are you? Hi, Mark. I'm fine, thanks. Before getting to your new cookbook, I'm really interested to know how the Fix It and Forget It series started. How did that all begin? Well, it was almost an accident. Uh, We have published cookbooks for many years. Mm -hmm. Uh, We live in a part of the world where people come who love to eat, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and there's a particular food tradition here. And we uh, had a number of shops and so on and talked to these people all the time. And they were forever asking questions about the food and they wanted recipes and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I love food. I love cooking, although I I learned it as an adult. I didn't know how to cook uh, until I was an adult and had to. And uh, I thought, well, I'm going to invite some of the best cooks I know to send me recipes that are very traditional. And uh, we were publishing books at that time. And so I created a number of cookbooks largely uh, based on uh, recipes from this particular part of the world. I mentioned that because that then began to be a kind of method that I used going forward uh, for doing other kinds of cookbooks. And our publishing company, uh, Good Books, uh, developed quite a, a strong uh, theme in that area, publishing-wise. And so we had a cookbook scheduled on a list in um, at the end of the fall of 2000 mm-hmm. that uh, we were publishing for an outside author, and we realized that she was not going to make the deadline. And so we pulled out a list of ideas that we had for uh, forthcoming cookbooks, and on this list was a slow cooker cookbook. And I must confess, I was a skeptic. I I thought, well, how many ways can you make beef stew? I mean, how is this really a cookbook? But I had several uh, fellow staff members who were quite convinced. They used slow cookers a lot. They did full meals in them. And they said, no, we can do this. this. You know, there are a lot of recipes out there. And so... I had built a list of strong cooks uh, through the years, and I sent a, an, a letter to them and just said, you know, we're considering this. Uh, would you have some strong recipes that you would be willing to submit? I would review them. We would test them. We would see if uh, this might be a book. And we were deluged. We had nearly 2,000 recipes sent to us. They were from all parts of the meal. I had no idea you could do bread in a slow cooker. Mm. I didn't know you mm-hmm. could do cake in a slow cooker. And, you know, oh, wow. I, I suddenly had my horizons expanded. So that was really the start of it. And, of course, lots of stories um, from that. But that's how it all began. And it, it was uh, well-timed, I think. And when was this? And what was the first cookbook And uh, that, that you did? And how many have you had so far? Well, in the Fix It and Forget It series, there have been eight uh, sub, eight books total. Uh, this was in the fall of 2000, and uh, the first book was called Fix It and Forget It Cookbook. And that's a name that just came to me while driving one day. I thought, <laughs> well, what is this really? Well, this is what it is. And I think that title did embody what it is that people love about a slow cooker. It allows them to 
eat at home, feed their families when their lives are very chaotic and uh, it, it makes it possible for them to prepare their own dinners. So the newest book is the Fix It and Forget It new cookbook, 250 Slow Cooker Recipes, which just came out uh, two weeks ago, I believe. Yes. And this is the first to feature full color photos. What right. was the reason behind this? Uh, and, and maybe talk a little bit about how uh, the concept changed from the earlier Fix and Forget It to, to this one. Yes. Uh, in that early, those first eight books, uh, we had so many wonderful recipes that I thought, hey, let's give people all the recipes we can. And so the first one had around 800 recipes in it. And that varied a bit uh, as the new titles came out, anywhere between 600 and 800 recipes. Mm. These were all gathered from home cooks from across the country, and people felt secure. If, uh, if this person feeds their family this recipe, then I know it works, and it's probably not too difficult for me. And mm-hmm. one thing I've really learned is how uh, scared some people are about trying things in, in the kitchen because they just haven't had much experience. So my commitment was to help them learn to cook because that's what happened for me. Well, we've done this now for uh, a dozen years, and increasingly, uh, we felt like it's time to show people what this food looks like. And uh, more and more people would ask me, you know, can't you do something in full color? So it was a choice we made to offer fewer recipes, and yet it's still a book with 250 recipes, Mm -hmm. and they're Mm -hmm. wonderful, all parts of the meal. But 200 of them have full-color photographs, so you can see exactly what this dish is going to look like. And it's a very beautiful book. We're getting great response. Fantastic. I mean, and, and describe a little bit of the book. It's it's out. It's in paperback. Describe yes. the quality of the book. Uh, very high-quality paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's beautiful, full-color photography. We've spent weeks uh, getting these photographs put together. All parts of the meal, uh, we have main dishes, chicken and turkey, a pork, a beef section, pastas, grains, and meatless uh, dishes. We include vegetables, breads, breakfasts and brunches, appetizers, snacks and beverages, sweets and desserts. And one of my really proud chapters is one called Everyday From Scratch Basics, Mm. where we give a recipe for making your own ketchup, for making your own hash browns, for doing your own vegetable stock, um, cooking your own beans, making your own yogurt, things that you can really do very well in a slow cooker and save a lot of money. And these are not high uh, intensity in terms of the kind of labor that they require. They just quietly cook away. Then at the beginning, um, I've been doing this kind of cooking now for a long time. So I give, uh, I have a whole uh, Your Slow Cooker guidebook mm-hmm. and a lot of the things that I've learned through the years. And, and just giving hints, people don't know that you can actually take a loaf pan, mm. put your uh, quick bread batter into it or your uh, yeast bread batter if you prefer. Fur, and and then put that into your slow cooker. My colleague now has wow. stopped making all quick breads in the oven. She does it all in her slow cooker because the texture is so wonderful. So those little surprises and hints and tips and tricks that um, I think a lot of people just may not be aware of. You know, it is amazing. My, my wife likes the slow cooker, and, and you would think that, you know, at first thought that there'd just be a limited number, uh, you know, as you said, of recipes that you can right. cook from there, but it's just yeah. seemingly endless. It how, really is. How did you go about getting recipes or developing recipes for this? Did you solicit as you did your first book, or, or, and, and how, do you, how do you get responses? Well, um, let me ask 
answer your first question sure. first. Uh, as far as finding recipes for this book, I have kept, uh, I have a whole fat file with recipes that I've done through the years. Some of them have not been slow cooker recipes, but I've been thinking, hmm, I wonder if I could adapt this and make it a slow cooker recipe. Mm -hmm. So quite a number of the recipes in the new Fix It and Forget It book are those kinds of recipes, ones that I've discovered and learned and adapted through the years and now have made into slow cooker recipes. And we've tested all of them, they do work. But it came from this sense that, well, for example, um, I can't bear overcooked meat. Uh, right. I think there's nothing worse than a dry chicken breast, there's nothing worse than a dried piece of fish. I'm with you. Uh, but, you know, I thought if I would put in, let's say I wanna do, a, I have an herby fish uh, and vegetable bake in this new book. It's got potatoes, onions, tomatoes, lots of fresh herbs in it. Well, those all take a considerably longer period of time to cook, especially the potatoes and onions, than the fish does. Mm -hmm. So I thought, why don't I create this recipe so that it actually has stages to it? So in the morning when I leave, I have my potatoes and my onions and my tomatoes and, and a few of the herbs in a, uh, in a bit of stock, mm -hmm. I flip on my uh, slow cooker. That, that cooks for four, five, six hours. When I come home, I put in the fish fillets on top. Oh. I crank it up to high, and uh -huh. in 15 to 20 minutes, everything is perfectly finished. I also dust the top with the fresh herbs that I want to um, flavor that dish. So in the end, I've got the convenience, but I have not destroyed those more delicate parts of the dish, like the fresh fish and the herbs, because I added them later. 15, 20 minutes, you know, that's not too long to ask something to cook before you sit down uh, to dinner after you've gotten home, because you probably want to add a salad. Um, you know, you're looking at the mail, you're doing all those things that you do when sure. you first come home and in that very brief period of time your your meal is completing and it turns out in such a wonderful way what a wonderful idea for fish i would have never thought to cook yeah. fish in a slow cooker because yeah. exactly as you said it gets dried out right. now, i want to go back to something you had said before when you when you started uh good books and the first cookbook right. you 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 live in uh, lancaster pennsylvania this right. is uh you uh, i think you had mentioned to me before we got on the line you have stores yes, uh and and, but you said the influence came from the cooking of that area originally. What is the cooking in that area like? I'm curious. Well, um, it's very, uh, at least traditionally, uh, we have a, a large population of Amish and Mennonite uh, people living here. And their food tradition has been quite strong. It tends to be uh, sort of German in, uh, in its history. But these are also avid gardeners, uh, so they cook from their garden, and uh, they also raise many their their much of their own beef, much of their own poultry, and that sort of thing. So initially, my start was in trying to give a collection of recipes to people who were visiting this area and wanted to take home recipes of the food they ate here. I've now moved considerably away from that so that the fix it and forget it recipes don't reflect this community in that way. In fact, the recipes, yes, you asked me a question earlier that I didn't answer, and that is how do we get the recipes? Mm. Through the years, um, I've built a, a strong contributor bank. Uh, these are people that I've learned to know in, in a variety of ways. We published them 
magazine for a while. Uh, I've made a lot of appearances across the country related to my cookbooks. Uh, and good cooks know good cooks. So I started small, gathering this network of, of cooks. And then occasionally, from time to time, I'll send everybody an email and I'll say, um, send me the names of two or three younger cooks that you know who would enjoy contributing to uh, cookbooks, who are doing interesting cooking. And so that's how it's, it's actually developed and grown. And so when I get an idea for a cookbook, I will contact these people and just say, what do you think? Do you have anything that might fit in here? I'm not a trained chef, so uh, and, and I've come to really love the the community aspect of cooking, and I think, as Larry Colwin once said, uh, the great cooks don't possess recipes, they share recipes. So <laughs> That's that, uh, yeah, I mean, that really struck a chord with me, and, and it's a community of very generous spirits, and people love to share their recipes, their tips, their know-how. So that's another feature that I've really included in the new cookbook. Sure. Um, you know, I've learned these things from people along the way, and I just want them to know all these things that make life easier, make your meals turn out more successfully. So I would say the tips in the new cookbook are equally as important as the recipes are almost so. Sure. Oh, sounds wonderful. Now, just to touch on a couple of previous cookbooks, you, you've also had a, uh, a diabetes cookbook and you've yes. also had the Fix It and Forget It pink cookbook. Yes. Could you tell me, and then also I think an Enjoy It series if I'm not Right. Mistaken. Yes. Could you tell me just briefly about each of those? Yes. Uh, the American Diabetes Association approached us, uh, oh, maybe five, eight years ago and said, you know, there's the greatest key to helping people with diabetes control that illness is to help them learn how to eat properly. Mm. And they, of course, publish a lot of their own uh, cookbooks. But they observed that we were really reaching a very large audience, and they had not done anything related to slow cooking. And they said, could we partner on a cookbook? And uh, so that was the beginning then of a, a really wonderful partnership. We've done, uh, I believe it's now four books for cookbooks with wow. the American Diabetes Association, where I will propose the recipes. I send those recipes to them. Their dietitians review them, adapt them so that they do fit within the, um, the framework of how people with diabetes should eat. And then they do nutritional analyses and exchange values for each of those recipes. We also include menus in those books mm. because you really need to know how to put together a whole day of eating and ideally a whole week of eating. And so we tried to think, you know, what would be the most useful approach here? So sure. that's, uh, that was that one. Uh, we also did a book with Mayo Clinic, and that's in the Fix It and Enjoy It series, which you mentioned. Mm -hmm. The Enjoy It series are stovetop and oven recipes, because you don't really want to use your slow cooker every night of the week or right all the time. And I thought, you know, these, these rest, the hallmarks of the fix it and forget it recipes are that they're easy to prepare, the ingredients readily available, and they're manageable. And so we took that, those principles, and I, I looked for recipes that are similar in that regard, but that are made on stovetop or oven. So Mayo Clinic, and we have a relationship, we do a, a lot of publishing with them, 
for them. And together we did a cookbook called Fix It and Enjoy It, healthy cookbook. Mm. It's a great cookbook. It's got to be one of my favorites because very fresh, very light, but very substantial food. And uh, in that we have the Mayo Clinic uh, pyramid servings for each recipe and so on. Again, just trying to help people know what they're eating, but present recipes that are very, very easy and manageable. You also have a cooking series on YouTube. And I know you said previously that you're not a chef, but you have these, I think it's like a two, three minute uh, videos that are very helpful. Tell me about how how, uh, that got started and what the um, reception to that has been. Yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, Cooking with Phyllis is what we call it. Mm -hmm. And um, I've you know, I, okay, I have two daughters, and now we have a cooking store, and we have a cooking school in the cooking store where I teach, and uh, people say, you know, I, I have friends who would love to know what you just told me. Uh, couldn't you do this in a way that, you know, if they can't come and take a class, uh, they would still have access to that information? So, yes, we began uh, in July doing a, uh, it's actually three to five minutes long. We put a new one up every week, and I always make a recipe. It can be, some of them are slow cooker, some are stovetop, some are oven, some are salads, um, herb butters, you know, all the kinds of things that I find interesting. And in that amount of time, I just prepare the dish, show them uh, little tips along the way. And it's very, um, it's very tutorial. Uh-huh. Uh, I think one of the losses, I mean, I'm all, certainly all in favor of having uh, men and women alike have jobs that they enjoy, but kids come home and there's not a parent there to help them uh, know how to learn to cook. And so we're missing that kind of thing that you you picked up at your mom's elbow, you know, or your aunt or your grandma or whoever uh, was in the kitchen in your family home. So that piece is sort of missing from our lives these days. And so part of my goal is to offer the kinds of things that you just learned. It was never written down, but it's, it's those instincts and those little tricks that uh, I want to impart um, in this small video series. And also with your cookbooks and this videos, I mean, uh, it seems like a lot of the recipes are, uh, are, are not complex, uh, right. pretty easy to, to prepare and perhaps yes. accessible for, you know, working parents, as, as yeah. you had mentioned. Yeah, exactly. And I would say they are really my audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've all become convinced that one of the greatest things we can do for our children is sit down and eat dinner together, a very ordinary practice. And yet it's so hard to maintain and you have to be very deliberate, very intentional about it because we all have such full chaotic lives and it's very hard. I mean, the, one of the most pressured hours of the day is between 530 and 630 when everybody's hungry, everybody That's wants true. food now and whoever's in charge can barely think. And so my, my real uh, commitment is to help people be able to put food on the table that they can feel good about because it tastes good, but they also know nutritionally uh, they're contributing something to their, to their, you know, their health and economically it's something that they can afford. Well, Phyllis, it's been so nice talking with you and it sounds like you've got a great, uh, great series, great projects out there. Well, thanks, Mark. That concludes today's Kitchen Cast, and I would like to thank Phyllis Good for joining us. Again, we were speaking with Phyllis Good about her new cookbook, Fix It and Forget It, 250 Slow Cooker Recipes, which is published by Good Books, and Good Books was the sponsor of today's podcast. Most importantly, thank you listeners for tuning in. I look forward to our next Kitchen Cast. <laughs>